This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on what is the first weekend of November. It's a Saturday edition of the show as it always is, but I'll let our listening audience know uh, we're having this conversation with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, on a Friday afternoon here in Philadelphia uh, as we get ready or go into what is a busy weekend leading up to Election Day uh, on Tuesday. Pat, I say hello to you, sir. Thank you for making uh, some time to do the November President's Hour right at the beginning of the month. I know that was important to try and do this sooner than later. Well, hopefully we started off with a very good mass because it's All Saints Day and it's a holy day and uh, we need all the help we can get. So uh, if we start out that way, that's good. But anyway, uh, yeah, Joe, it's it's a busy time. I appreciate this opportunity to do this uh, uh, at the time table that we're doing it because there's a lot going on. Um, Obviously, the election should be and is the biggest thing we have going on in the city right now. Um, unfortunately, I would say that uh, I'm afraid that people are sleeping through this. And, and, you know, I say that in a way that I hope I'm wrong. I mean, I hope I'm 100 percent wrong because uh, I've said this to our folks many times leading up to this. Hey, this is where we live and this is where we work and this is where we sleep, you know. And so this election is as important as any other election we have. We can't be worried about what's going to happen in the White House next year right now, although we should be worried to a certain extent. But right now we should put that aside and and take care of the business at hand, which is getting our mayor reelected. I think it's very important for us as working people and for uh, not the least being uh, working people who are represented by unions because this mayor stands uh, shoulder to shoulder with unions all the time. And believes that people should have the uh, the right to have a fair day's pay, uh, living wages, and some benefits. So that, coupled with the fact that he cares so much about the kids, uh, and there's a whole part of this show I'll talk a little bit, um, which pertains more to the kids and the teachers. But this election is about who we elect to handle the city of Philadelphia. But I will add to that, there's two positions in the Superior Court. And many times, and we've said this before, Many times our, our folks don't realize the importance of judges because the judges, especially now, I hope there's more awareness because as they see what this president, sitting president is doing uh, with the Supreme Court, pushing it so far to the right, that at some point working people won't have a say of anything. Mm-hmm. Everything will be done through the court and nothing will be done legislatively. So uh, the superior court positions that we supported, Amanda Green Hawkins, who's from the western part of the state, and Dan McCafferty, who most people know around here from our our fair city of Philadelphia. So uh, they're important. I hope people realize the importance when they go and vote. But even more important, uh, as I started off with, is that the people get out and vote. And, you know, the papers write in all the time that, well, the mayor's, you know, mayor's a foregoing conclusion. There's never a foregoing conclusion in elections. I mean, um, 
not folks that are older than me now would remember there was a guy named Dewey and, and Truman and, you know, waking up and find out that that foregoing election didn't come out that way. And, you know, I'm not I'm not setting an alarm clock, but it's very important we go to the polls and vote. And if nothing else, show this mayor, we ha- he has the support to continue to do the kinds of things he started. That being said, there's a unique uh, unique election taking place as far as city council and the city council and city council at large, because the two party system is being challenged quite a bit. And uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not here to say, gee, I hope it does or I hope it don't. Or all I'm saying is we ought to pay attention because there's good candidates and the candidates should be heard. And uh, I think we did a very good job vetting our endorsed candidates here in the city of Philadelphia. Uh, They were discussed at large and uh, at length and uh, and the vote was taken. And by the way, you know, to be endorsed by the the Philadelphia labor council, you have to have two thirds vote. You can't, you know, you can't fudge it. You can't say almost, it's two thirds. And we live by that. We keep it. If we have to count, if we have to have a secret ballot, whatever it takes. So why that's important is because then I think if the candidate gets endorsed, it's more meaningful. Because he or she knows that the folks came together and, and took a careful evaluation, and this is who they think is right. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that some organizations see it differently. And, you know, we, we feel very strongly that our labor movement today is probably more together than it has been for many, many years in the city of Philadelphia. And I mean that because when there's issues out there that pertain to the public sector or the building trades or private sector People come out in support of those issues. When we have issues down at the airport with folks that are uh, carrying bags and, and getting hardly any kind of money, politicians and, and labor people come out in force to support them. So that says to me that, and, and it's been my, my, especially since I came here, it's been my life's ambition to have us all speak as one. So, but having said that, there's, there's, you know, the, we're all a little different. And we all have our biases or we have our reason why somebody maybe didn't do something as good as they could have done before. And uh, uh, so we, we, we go out and champion somebody other than who was endorsed by the AFL-CIO. That has its way of working in. And, and, you know, what we do stay close is we go labor to labor. That means we knock on only union members' doors. We're, knocking, we're not knocking on the general public because we feel very strongly that, for example, we have a, a Republican running. Dan Tenney is a Republican, but he's a union member. And we know him not just as a union member, but a gentleman who will work for working people, clearly sees the, the, the needs and the rights of working people. So we're supporting him, and he's a Republican. So get away from the idea that everybody we're supporting is a Democrat. It's, it's not the case. It's been said so many times on this program on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, and I know, J-Doc, you have uh, reinforced uh, that statement many, many times, which, Pat, to me, really does represent the tagline of what you stand for. It's all about working people. If you're going to stand for working people, then you're going to support or you're going to um, give consideration to those that care for working people, period. 
I mean, is that fair? Am I making a fair statement? No, you're absolutely right. I, I, I know that either party representative wouldn't want to hear me say this, but I'm going to say it, and I've said it before. You know, in these cases where I represent workers, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. I'm a labor leader. I represent working people. And so if somebody stands up and does good for working people, they're going to get our support, and they're going to get my support. And uh, it, it doesn't matter how I'm registered. It's who's going to help working people. And uh, I, I think you're going to see in this election a, a lot more of a diversified, uh, diversified thinking politically than we've seen ever before. And, and the thing is, it, as, as union members and as working people, it's our job to, 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 to keep in tune to those issues. And that's important because if you don't know who you're voting for for real, if you don't understand the issues, many times... And I said a hundred times, you know, look what, what's going on in the White House where some people, uh, you know, were voting against their own interests because you're a working person. You want to vote for your, in my opinion, I mean, some people may have other social issues that, that are important to them and I absolutely respect them. But the point is, if, you know, my thought, and this is just me, and I know it's a lot of people's thought, if you care about your job, if you care about the standards um, and, and, and the benefits that you have and the ability to collectively bargain, you, you, you got to know who supports those issues. And particularly here in the city of Philadelphia, where, where the candidates like the mayor, I mean, that's at the front of the agenda. Nationally, you, you, you know, you often don't even hear it mentioned, um, which is, you know, one of the reasons why Pat had, you know, had we had the big, uh, you know, event at the, at the uh, convention center. Um, so working people, it's our responsibility as well to, 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 to be involved in the process but also to be educated in the process to know who affects our jobs. And the great part about that is when you look at the endorsement list from the unions, they've really spent a lot of time researching the candidates who are for working people. That's one of the great things about, you know, about the election and understanding why these people are endorsed. You know, Pat, can I get you to elaborate on or just expand on that? Because I really do want the audience of this radio station to understand that and know what that means. Because I think that process is so, so important in terms of what you go through to get to an endorsed candidate. Absolutely, Joe. And and I think it is important because for many, many years it was just assumed that, you know, the Democratic Party and the Labor Party were one. And the truth of the day is, and for many, many years, it, it, in a lot of ways, it was that way. And, you know, for many, many years, the Democrats were the people who, who, who did exactly what we're talking about, work for working people, made sure that we, our workers' rights were there, the, pro, the, 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 the ability to have a, a, a union representative, to have collective bargaining. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that when you say about putting work and time in, you have to evaluate what does a candidate do once they're in office? You know, everybody's going to be our friend and promises the world when they want our vote. Mm-hmm. So what happens now a year later, depending on the term of the, of the position? What happens a year later, a year and a half later? What have they done? And, and it's not just coming out for uh, special interest votes, and we all have that. We all, whether the building trades or whether you're teachers, there are certain things that are special interest. But, but overall, when you talk about uh, paycheck deception, for example, <laughs> in the state of Pennsylvania, when those folks up there who, who just have a, a, a tendency to try to do anything again, to not only take away stuff from working people, but take away stuff from Philadelphia that, uh, that's able to move forward and be proactive. So what have they done? Where have they voted? And... You know, the old adage of somebody's a 100% voter, 
I want to know how they voted on the tough issues. That's what I want to know. Don't tell me they're 100% voted or 98% voter. Where were they when something was going to be taken away with us? Did they vote against their own party who was taken away from us? Did they stand up for us? That's the way I think we should talk. And that's what we should talk about when we're doing our, when we're doing our endorsements. Where, where was Mary? Where was Jim? You know? Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. It's a special one-hour edition of the President's Hour with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding. We're broadcasting, as um, we always do, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by Plumbers Local 690, Ironworkers Local 401, and SEIU Local 32BJ. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll veto it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT along with J. Doc M. Joe Krause. It's our uh, special report, our President's Hour for the month of November. We kick off the month of uh, November with the President, Pat Eiding. Pat? So, so, Joe, having said the endorsement's important, and, and I think why folks want our endorsement is not just because they can put out a piece of paper that we've been endorsed by the Philadelphia Council AFLCO. They know we have feet on the street so we've been you know for weeks we've been uh, they're in the back room right now they're taking packages out and and what especially an election like this what we think is very valuable if it's a low turnout who we want to make turn out is our members so we're knocking on doors of members only. And we have people, you know, for the last few weeks, they're going out in the Northeast, they're going to South Philadelphia, different areas. And we're knocking on member union members' doors. And we'll know from their reaction who we're going to knock on election day to get them out to vote. If somebody's kind of blasé or don't care or not going to vote, we're going to, you know, vote the other way. We're not going to knock on their door. So it's not just an, uh, it's not like the old days where we put a thousand people out just pushing out literature. We actually are going out talking to working people. And, and, and particularly in this case, we, we not, we're not blending. Blending means when you're doing both. We're just doing labor to labor, which means we're only talking to other union members. So we knock on somebody's door. We know that uh, Joe Doherty is, a, is part of the iron workers. And, you know, we want to talk to them about what Kenny's done, what the other, other our endorsed candidates. So, so why the endorsement means so much to the candidates? They know we do that now. In the years past, it was just kind of a, it was almost kind of a ceremonial thing. Now it means something. You know, besides the money that folks get, what people realize that that the feed on the street is valuable as all those hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, so it's it's really an important thing. And we, you know, tomorrow, as I said, we're going to have a lot of people out. Uh, uh, Michael and, and Leslie are working in the back room, and Natalie putting these packages together. And then we're already planning for for election day. You know, we'll have folks all over the city. And again, our main goal is to to knock on union members' doors to make sure they get out and vote. Is and if you think not- about a quiet election like this. If, you know, we have a pretty big foot, foot, good-sized footprint in Philadelphia. Is that, I didn't mean voting. to cut you off there, Pat. I just wanted to ask you, just for clarity, is that conversation met with union members, is it... Um is it challenging at, at, at times, or mm. is, it just, is it just more informational? What's your thought on that? Well, uh, it can be challenging to the person who's doing a knocking, if he's somebody like me, who puts herself into this and then realizes that somebody's completely, even though they're a union member, completely on the other side. So there's there's a lot. And then the, the other challenge is when, when you get an a reaction where people just don't care. 
um, because that tells me we're not really getting the message out for what the issues are, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, when, yeah. and, and taking it for granted at sometimes where, where, where um, the, the, the labor to labor is, is awesome. One of the things, though, that, you know, when you have an election like Pat saying, like everybody takes it for granted that, you know, all of our candidates, because, you know, we're, you know, it's a democratic city and, and, and you know, you, you take for granted that, you're, you know, that the mayor is going to win and the other and, and, the, and the city council that's or that, that, that um, won the primary. Let me tell you, like Pat said, there's so many other offices there and you can never take anything for granted because you never know what happens. I mean, you know, right now in the White House right now. A lot of people took for granted that that, that, that was a foregone conclusion before but before the presidential election. Look what happened. So my point and, is and, this. And, it, and to listen, if, if, if we don't get our message out, it not, I mean, not only in this election, but when we do have to get into that other part, if we don't get our message out, you know, uh, I, I'll give you, you, you ask that question, I'll tell you my, my personal experience. Uh, when when President Bush was in office and he ran in the second term, we thought it was a no-brainer that any, any union board door that I would knock on is going to be against Bush. And I have to tell you, South Philadelphia, blue-collar neighborhoods, I was getting a lot of pushback. And I, I came back here some nights because most of the time when I did it, it was, it was it, like in the evening hours. And I came back from those neighborhoods thinking, I can't believe this. I mean, they're not hearing anything, you know. And so fast forward, look what happened in 2016. I mean, you know, what's happening there is the Democrats are not telling us anything yet. So I'll get away from our local politics a little bit because, as you know, uh, the mayor came out the other day for, uh, for Senator Warren. Uh, I, you know, I knew ahead of time a little bit that he was going to do it. I have no opinion on it. It's, it's, that's the mayor's position, and the mayor has his reasons for doing what he's doing. But I immediately got contacted from the media, and, well, you know, what, what's Labor doing? I said, my hope and my wish is Labor continues to do what we said weeks ago when we had the presidential candidates here. Let's keep our powder dry. Let's take a look at these candidates and find out the candidate who's going to still care about us after the dialogue's done, after all the talking's done. They didn't, you know, the, the Democrats didn't do a good job the last time. Uh, you know, Hillary's people just went right by us here in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, and, and you saw the results. So let's see what candidates they are. I mean, the folks that came here, I had to tell you, when they came here on the 17th, uh, you know, the six, the six candidates that came, they were all good. They were all good in their own right. But they're talking to over 2,000 working union members, and they're certainly going to say great stuff about it. Now, most of them have. Uh, but I have to tell you, uh, Tom Steyer, who I had a chance to talk to the day after the forum, when he got approached by some of the workers who were going to lose their job because of the refinery closing and some other things that are happening with fossil fuel, and we're all leaning the other way to make it a cleaner world, which we all want, but where are the jobs coming from? And t talking to Tom Steyer the next day, he said to me, Pat, he said, you know, your guy really made some good points. He said, he said look, I'm not going to change who I am, but, you know, I want to hear more of that. And, you know, I, I have to tell you, and I might have said this before, that, uh, 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 you know, the, the, the candidates themselves talking to one-on-one, -on -one, they're all people. And I, what I expressed to all them, and I said that to the news media when they came and talked to me the, the other day, uh, you know, about what, what the mayor was doing, is, listen, I'm, we're not ready for that. We have an election now that's very important. This is where we're putting our mem where we're putting our efforts and, and uh, what we're trying to get done is this, and then we'll go back into that. But I, I said that, and I exactly hope that uh, I said I hope they talk about infrastructure. I hope they talk about how we're going to put people to work. 
Because if we put people to work, we'll do away with some of the gun trouble. We'll do away with some of the drug problems. We'll have people work and have some dignity. That's what I want to hear. I never hear anything about infrastructure. They all go down there with promises. Nothing happens. So that's kind of what I said to the media. So I, I, it's not that I don't care what the mayor does, but that's his position, and that's great. Uh, I just hope that none of our national unions come out too quick and force, you know, because sometimes when a national does something that kind of pulls their local union in, it takes away the autonomy that we hope. But I think we set the stage. And as a Senator, as Senator Sanders said to me today when he called, and if I'm repeating, I'm sorry, but it's worth repeating. He just, it was a happenstance call. All of a sudden, five o'clock at night, I get a call. And his words were, uh, listen, I get calls all the time. Come to this event, thousand people, everybody will be there. He said, almost never is there a thousand people. He said, what you did here in Philadelphia, they should take us across the whole country. He said, you guys did, you know, having all those people, all those workers there, it was fantastic. His words, not mine. And uh, I thanked him, of course, and I mainly thanked him for the time he took with the students from Temple because the kids love him, by the way. So, so, so you know, it's, 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 again, if we keep our mind open, hopefully we'll take back Pennsylvania and we'll take it back big. You know, we did well in Philadelphia just because the grassroots that we are able to do here. It's a strong union town. It's a strong workers' town. You know, we had six, a gross number of about 600,000 votes for Clinton, but we couldn't carry the whole state unless the Democrats changed their way. So I think that's something I, I you know, I just I want to emphasize. We have an election next Tuesday. As far as I'm concerned, it's just as important as the one we have next year. And I just hope people go out and vote. It's a shame when they don't vote. It's a shame to let it go away. Uh, I'm still trying to digest what they did up in the Harrisburg with changing the rules. Uh, I'm sure I'm, I got to be happy with uh, with it being a little bit easier to register and, and be able to vote. I'm probably happy with that. I don't know how I feel about not being able to pull, you know, a, a, a straight ticket vote. Uh, a lot of confusion. There's article and story and dialogue and commentary on this radio station, too, uh, about the amount of confusion when somebody actually gets in the uh, gets in there to vote. You would think we'd have that down by now. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. Well, you know, a lot of folks are intimidated by their new voting machines. I mean, we've had we've had them here at our board. We had them at our delegates meeting. They're available to go see because it's new. It's going to be. And there's some folks who are traditional. I guess that means old. I don't know what I'm saying. But, <laughs> but you know, they, I'm in that you know, category. Just, yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> it's going to be intimidating. It's going to be tougher for the judges, who, by the way, don't get much for being a judge at the poll, uh, to be able to explain to them. And I know a lady by the name of Mrs. Eiding, who's a judge, uh, why she does it, I don't know, but she's dedicated. And she's had her second or third training on these things because they know people are going to be confused. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll get into more conversation with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, back in a moment. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are brought to you by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Iron Workers Local 405, and Steam Fitters Local 420. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210 
WPHT. We come to you on a Saturday night. We look ahead to uh, what is hopefully an eagle win uh, tomorrow at the link uh, on Sunday. Back to the conversation with the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, who's joining us to kick off uh, not only the month of December, but really what is the tail end or the conclusion of 2019. When you look back in the rearview mirror, Pat, all you see is smoke and dust. That's how quickly uh, it it has gone by. Uh, Listen, the there's there's been a there's been a lot of pluses in especially in and around the great city of Philadelphia for 2019, but there's been an awful lot of an awful lot of minuses. And you know we can go on to a whole lot of them. You know the, we talked about the last show about the, how many people are losing their job from the refineries in Hanneman Hospital. Uh, we try to follow that up. We try to talk about you know we're very engaged in the census. The census is so so important to the city of Philadelphia, the state of Pennsylvania. But the city of Philadelphia, especially because what the, the, the president of this country is doing, uh, scaring immigrants, we're concerned that we won't get the good numbers that we need because they're changing the rules as we go along. While we're trying to get the census in place to do a good job for 2020, the White House is changing the rules as they go. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know, so that that kind of stuff is really important. And that stuff goes on. You know, the we still don't know what's going on with the refineries. I know some people are working very hard to try to keep them open and see what they can do. But I had the uh, I had the opportunity this morning to be part of a press conference. And there's a group called Build Together, and it's Build Together Now. And what it's about is coming together to try to get the powers to be in Washington, the the houses of representation, if you would, to do the infrastructure they keep talking about. You know, the, the, the country's crumbling, literally crumbling before our eyes. Uh, you know, I'll get into a minute what's going on with the, the school buildings, never mind the school district, the school buildings in the city of Philadelphia that are 100-plus years old, uh, The tra- you know, the public transportation, we should have more public transportation so we don't have to keep building our highways bigger. There's so much there. And if you both think about it, how many years have you heard? Everybody goes to Washington. First thing they're going to do is do something with infrastructure. But guess what? We're still sitting here twiddling our thumbs. The bridges are still falling. The kids are going to schools in, in a, a, atrocious conditions. And nobody's together. So today I was asked to be part of a press conference with Congressman uh, Boyle and Congressman Fitzpatrick. Now, why is that odd? It's odd because one's a Republican, one's a Democrat. And I wish the folks in D.C. would listen to that. Instead of the games that they're playing and the spitball throwing that they will, I mean, they're, they're, they're worse than kids in school, for crying out loud. They get nothing done. They get elected to do something. And, and I said this a minute ago about what, what I said to the, to the folks from one of the radio uh, TV stations uh, about the presidential election. Infrastructure putting it together would cure so many ills. I mean, just think about jobs, jobs, jobs. And in every phase, it's jobs. So they talk about we don't have the money. Do you realize with what the tax, this tax thing did, this is the worst time we've ever had for our budget, the national budget, is, is, is worse than it's been in forever. It's, it's like a trillion dollars or something like that. But, and it happened at a time we're supposed to be doing good. This president put this tax thing out for all the, the wealthiest people was going to change the economy. Well, guess what? We're going down the tube, and it's getting worse. So why not spend it, put it together on something, change these highways, make some changes in the highways? I mean, I, I was at a presentation many years ago, at the, not many, but maybe five years ago at the chamber, 
uh, with the chamber about taking the Schuylkill Expressway, which you can't expand because it's there's no obsolete. Place to put it, it's you know? unbelievable. Yeah, it was obsolete the day it was finished. Right. But in today's way in engineering, if you if you're in Florida, you'll see, or even down in Baltimore, you'll see most of the branches, the the highways, are, they're they're building an elevation where they're on one tier, so you don't have to close off the part below you. So we saw a presentation where they could take and put an elevated highway on top of, all the way through the Schuylkill Expressway without taking any traffic away from the, re- the regular expressway. Hey, let's charge money for one of them and leave the other one free. Guaranteed, the one charging money will get a lot of use because people will pay a dollar to be able to get to work without sitting for two hours. Nobody does anything. Five years ago, where is it? Nothing. And, you know, and I, this is an old thing for me. People are probably tired of hearing. When they, built, when they built Limerick Powerhouse, when we would go to that construction, we went up old 422 or up some country road. What you saw were cows and, and, a, and a water cooler in the background. They built 422 in our time. Why isn't there a rail next to it? Think about it. Who the heck was the engineer there, the architects? I, where were, I mean, it's such an easy road to put a rail next to it. And, you know, and now nobody lived there. And they, you know, three mile island, you thought nobody would want to live there in Limerick. Just take a ride up through Limerick. You can't find a piece of ground without a house on it. So why, where was the thinking? And, and so now we know we screwed up some places. When you see what happens to 95 and, and, and when they're trying to build it up, the money that could come in for infrastructure would put so many people to work that it would elevate, it would have elevated for everybody's life and it would also put money back in the coffers, and I'll bet you the economy would change overnight because people would be working. We saw it happen in this country. Why are we allowing our country to fall back behind places like China? It just doesn't make sense. And so these two congressmen, being one from a Republican, one from a Democrat, showed up for the, for the Build Together program. This is a nonprofit program that's trying to emphasize the need for infrastructure and the need for a bipartisan and, and trying to get something done. So... And, I, and I, can, I can't just blame that on, on Trump. I mean, the president before is going to do something on infrastructure. Everybody's going to fix infrastructure. And we haven't done a darn thing. So, uh, you know, that's what I was saying to somebody when they asked me about uh, what we're going to do about presidential candidates. I want to hear what they're going to do. Well, uh, Brian, and, uh, Fitzpatrick has been uh, really good with the Democrats for, for a Republican, uh, you know, for a Republican congressman. He does cross party uh, party lines with labor, I mean, with labor, I'm sorry. So um, we're going to need that working together to get this done. And you mentioned 76, so you got to be, it's, it's, the more they, the more communities build uh, as you, as you go west, the more obsolete it gets. It's literally unbelievable. And Pat, you mentioned the, the schools and the asbestos situation. It's actually embarrassing because you, I mean, not only embarrassing, but ner- nerve wracking because you, you know, we have children that are going to school in these conditions. And here, and here's the sad part about it, Joe. If the school district and the city of Philadelphia want to fix, they have the money. So I know that I'm part of the coalition to, for funding for for, for schools. Uh, Senator Hughes and 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 House Representative Fielder are at the at the at the front of this thing, pushing it. We were looking for money for the whole state. At one point, we thought, or Senator Hughes thought, $180 million would be able to hit, address the asbestos and lead problem in all the schools in the state, not just Philadelphia. Philadelphia, we're looking probably $80 million of it to be just here. The budget came and went. We didn't push that hard because we were hoping something would happen. Not necessarily in the budget, but after the budget if you had to. There's, there's $180 million laying there they could use. 
So we're, and this may be our governor, but I'm telling you, he's not reacting to this at all. And that's why I said it's embarrassing because, you know, we, we, we have situations with, and we can't, we don't have the money. We're not spending the money to, to rectify the situation. And Pat, no one on earth knows more about the, the effects of asbestos than you do. And, so, and, and Joe, here, every day goes by. Now, people might be able to start picking sides, but they're not going to be able to because the parents aren't going to let it happen. Every day goes by when they go into another school, they're finding another problem. They're finding in the same one where they thought they had the, had the thing controlled up at Ben Franklin. They just found more asbestos. And who's controlling it? Who's, I mean, kids are going to these schools, right, Pat? I mean, and they're in the school, and that's that's they're what I'm the saying. Schools. They're in the schools. These schools aren't closed down, and we sit we sit down, we teach kids right and wrong, and yet we know the consequences of what could happen. I mean, we sit there, you know, Pat, Joe. We've done many legal shows about talcum powder and about these situations where people get these effects years and years and years later, right? I mean. It's a, it's a, it's a, we're, we're sending kids to schools. We're finding out oh, that there's asbestos. And the teachers. And the teachers. The teachers are there. They're, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that's, that's in these classrooms, the teachers are paying for it. Whether it's some of this frilly stuff, some of the stuff they do, the different posters, the teachers pay for that themselves. Well, here's the sad part. If, if somebody from the school district or somebody, whoever, went in and started taking pieces of asbestos off, and then, you know, when they get it off, they, they paint the ends to make it look like it's all sealed. Well, that somebody like me has the dumb question, well, who did it? Were they certified? Were certified. Was there a test afterwards to make sure that everything wasn't contaminated? And by the way, what did they do with the asbestos? And what happens if, if a parent stands up and goes like this? My kid is not going to that school because it's dangerous. And by the way, here's about a mountain of documentation that will show the health hazards of it. This, this, I mean, really, what happens? And imagine if all the parents stood up and said, my kid's not going to that school because, oh, by the way, here's what's going Joe, they're going to do it because the more awareness comes out. Now, here's the sad part. Even if we want to fix it, there's two problems, two big problems. Where do you put the kids if, if the school is contaminated? Where do you put the kids? And you see that happening now. And how do we pay for this? The school district doesn't have any more money. I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not excluding them from responsibility, but they don't have the money to fix it. So, you know, us standing in the street waving and hollering and screaming with the parents is only going to bring more attention to it, which is a good thing. We need the folks up in Harrisburg to come up with some money. We need the people in, in, in Washington, too. But the more immediate need is right now. They got to filter out some money right now. Come up with $200 million. And I'm not, I'm not sure I know that's enough for the whole state. But I will tell you right now as we sit, this has happened in other parts of the state. They may not have seen it or realized it because they may not have a Jerry Roseman that the teachers have been fortunate enough to hire to, to keep an eye on this stuff. But, you know, I, and I'm trying my darnest not to put blame. It's not a blame thing right now. I don't, right. I'm not blaming the city. I'm not blaming the school district. What I'm blaming is that we need, I'll blame the governor on this one. We need the money and we need somebody to pay attention to it now. And we, we sent a letter to the governor signed by just about all the most reputable people you can think of. And what I understand from a conference I was on just before this show, the governor is not going to respond to that letter. Well, I don't know what that means. I really don't know what that means. What do we tell the kids? Sink or swim? What do we tell the teachers? Just keep going on. You'll be all right someday. They won't be all right someday. So I'm a little angry at that comment, that answer. That, that was the answer, supposedly, when somebody asked the, mayor, the governor's person, is he going to respond to the letter? 
there will be no response. But Pat, you, you you've seen this on the on the front lines. Okay, not many people have seen it on the front lines, and we've done shows on asbestos, and we and and so there's an urgency, especially in your voice, uh, and and I know that you've obviously been on the on the on the side of the governor many 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 times and supported him many many on many 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 issues and and the elections and all, but you could see for you to make that statement, the urgency because you know exactly what these kids are walking into. I, listen, if he was, and the teachers, if the, if the representative would have said well, he's looking into it, he's trying to see some, to come back and say there's not going to be any answer to your letter, that's hard for me to take. It really is, and and I love the guy, but in this instance, we're on different sides. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, candid with the president of the AFL CIO, Pat Eiding, back after the break. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor are being sponsored by IOTC Local 8, District 1199C, and the Newspaper Guild. The right-wing conservatives don't have to drive themselves crazy. They can walk there. <laughs> God bless you. One more segment to go here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. It's the President's Hour to kick off the month of November with the President of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding. Pat? Well, you know, I guess I've been... Uh... <laughs> Seats on fire, I, sir. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I, listen, and I won't, I won't, I won't just keep on beating a dead horse. But as Joe, as Joe said, I'm very passionate about this, and I'm also passionate about helping Dr. Height and helping the mayor, whoever I have to help, uh, try to fix this problem. And, and uh, but uh, you know, when I just heard that answer today, that was just a little bit more than I could handle without getting a little upset. Uh, that's not the. That's not. You know, I'm, I'm not, I know I said I wasn't going to be labor, but labor. That's not the governor I know. That's not, and I hope it's. I hope it's a misstatement by his. By person, the way, if you would just way. elaborate on that answer, in other words, well, what exactly are you talking we about? We sent a we sent a, a letter signed by oh God knows I don't know two pages of folks who signed it, uh, the letter to the governor asking for financial help to fund the the, the cleaning up the schools. We need not. We're not talking about tearing down a, a building and redoing. Just want to clean up what's hurting the kids. And and so we're looking for him to say, well, we'll look into it, or we'll put a we put a committee together, do something. But for his main person to say, there's not going to because the the question was, we haven't heard anything. And the person said, and I'm quoting her, are we going to get an answer from the governor on the letter? And the answer was, there'll be no answer, there'll be no response, there'll be no response. So I I hope I hope I'm taking it out of context. I really hope. But if that's the case and, and somebody's talking to the governor, please tell them we're very disappointed because we need help and we need it now. And every day we go into these schools, we're fine. And just the very school where the construction is going on at Ben Franklin, the very school and this week, they, they cut into more asbestos. Now, how fast it was responded to and how much it was contained, I don't know the answer to that. But the truth of the day is, before that drill went into that wall, now, with all the, concept, the discussion and everything, we should have known that that was asbestos before the drill went into it. Why is this still happening? Pat, let, and, me, let me just ask you a question. And, and I, because we talked about not belabored. This is worth belabored. Um, you've seen this up close and personal. Maybe the listener doesn't understand it. Maybe the governor doesn't understand. What are the consequences? What? You've seen it. You've talked about the members in your own local or, you know, your own apprentice class not being, you know, you're the only one, one of the only ones left. What are the consequences the, here? The, the, 
So the, the mystery about it is, and, and some of our own workers, our own union you know, tradespeople, don't see the finality of it all. They see some dusty, dirty stuff, and you know the constru- construction workers are around dusty, dirty stuff all the time. Except that this dirt, dusty, dirty stuff kills you. I mean, we didn't know it's about lead either. I mean, we painted lead every. We want to, especially if you're painting outside something metal outside, you wanted something that had lead in it because it was going to stay, have stick to itiveness, right? So what happens with asbestos is that once it's disturbed and the fibers get in the air, it has to be cleaned up in total. So what does that mean? The fibers that kill you are fibers you can't see by the human eye. The only way you can see them is if they're in the sunlight. You might see them. So, so when you when and, and by the way, the law in Philadelphia is very clear. It has to be somebody certified. And there's different levels. You can do stuff in what they call glove bags, where you put plastic over it and you do it. Something like you see where you see in the uh, uh, science, where they're, they're testing things and you can't get in there with your hands and stuff like that. But there's different levels. There's small level, heavy level. But every level has to be identified. It has to be checked afterwards. What has to be checked afterwards in the environment to see what's, what it left, see if there was any exposure. And it's all supposed to be documented. And then, by the way, where did this stuff go? Supposed to be documented. You can't and shouldn't throw asbestos in a trash can, okay? It's worse, by the way, than throwing a plastic bottle in a non-recyclable pot. It, you know, that's something we're trying to live with. This is killing you. So how does it hurt you, and how does it hurt some people and not other people? We don't know that answer. I mean, we have a scientist at Fox Chase Cancer that's been working for since 1992 for us, and we've we funded over, I, we might be close to $3 million now, trying to find an answer why somebody gets it, somebody don't. And by the way, what can we do for people to get it? And the trouble with mesothelioma is it's in your body for a long time before it ever exposes itself. Once it exposes itself, most people six to nine months. And it's one of the most debilitating diseases you can find. People go from a lyman to a pretzel. I mean, that's how it tears your body down. And th- th- there's a mystery to it. There's, there's a mystery why folks I work with directly died and I didn't. And most of the people that in our local, they seem to die between the ages of uh, late 40s and 62. And then folks who lived after that seem to be the people like me that didn't get it, you know, whatever. And evidently, for what the scientist says, there's, there's these genes in everybody. Certain genes react to it, certain don't. So... I guess what I want to leave you with is besides the fact that we got to identify what's in the schools and how, how we're going to take care of it, we got to make sure that when we do take care of the asbestos and remove or do what we do, that that room that's in there, that environment is tested over and over that there's no fibers in there. Because if there's fibers in there, every time somebody walks in that room later, they're going to kick up the fibers. And so... It's a serious situation, and in the 80s and in the early 90s, a lot of people were paying attention, seemed to go asleep on it. But we have a law. Air management's in charge of it. That's under the Department of Health. It's supposed to be reported. And you can't just do one or two jobs and say, well, I did that already. Then, like, like I would say to the representatives of school, okay, show me. Show me what you did. Let, let's put this to sleep so, that, so the parents don't have to worry about it. We know that you did it properly, and there's the results. And they, sh- they should be doing that now. And I think they are at Friend Franklin. But they also, before they cut into something, whether it's an old building or something, you know, tying into an old building, somebody should check it first before they tie into it. Not to mention the people actually cutting into it. Like, you know, we've got teachers and and students there. And, you know, like you said, Pat, we don't know who's doing it. The tragedy, Joe, is folks don't see the danger. Absolutely. So that's very negative. 
It's uh, you know daylight saving is is going away, so we're going to get an hour tomorrow night. I right. think it is. So, right. uh, uh, so and I got a big wedding, so I got a good personal thing coming up too. Well, yeah, and, and, and there's a lot of good stuff happening. One of the things I'd say, and I know we only have a couple minutes left, is that, you know. You know I'm going to cut your mic in two minutes, J-Doc. You, 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 you could wait 15 seconds. My, my only message is, um, obviously, you know, we got to, you know, the election's Tuesday. Uh, everybody get out there and, and, and let's do our civic duty and, and, and vote for those people that, that have an impact on your interests. Vote for yourself, but right. vote. That's the important thing. If you don't vote, you can't. You don't. You don't have the right to say that. You know, whatever they do, you go along with because you didn't vote for some something different. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor as we come to you on Talk Radio twelve ten WPHT. Pat, I'm going to come back to you and give you the final uh, minute before we say goodbye. We only get the hour uh, with the president of the AFL CIO uh, on a monthly basis. We're fortunate to be able to do that. I come back to you, sir, uh, for the final sixty seconds of our broadcast tonight, uh, taking you from Saturday uh, into Sunday. Back to you. Listen, I, I, I can't emphasize enough the importance of going out and voting. This is, I'm repeating, where we live, where we sleep. These are the people who are going to rule your great city for the next so many years. So get out and vote. As far as the, the kinds of things we talked about, infrastructure and schools with asbestos, let's get together. I don't want to fight with anybody. I want to fix things. And so I say, you know, Governor Wolf, let's get together, find some money for these schools. Let's get these environments squared away. And let's work together with some folks like uh, Congressman uh, Boyle and Congressman Fitzpatrick uh, to try to get other people to get something done in this city, so this country, so we can get people to work. Pat, when that event ended quickly, was the uh, consensus successful it was a successful gathering or no this morning yeah. absolutely everybody there i mean we had folks from from septa were there some some other folks were there uh again it was uh, it was just just inside bucks county so i spoke for for myself and and uh, tom tossi who was the president of the bucks county central labor council uh and and you know our interest in is obviously jobs not just union jobs but jobs for a lot of people and but more than that, the country needs to be built up. And, and this, is, this probably is the most obvious uh, piece of legislation or pieces of legislation that our representatives can do to move this country forward. All the other stuff is all bullcrap, quite honestly. I hope as, you, uh, as we say goodbye to you on this Saturday night, I hope you uh, certainly learned one thing about Pat Eiding, the president of the AFL-CIO, as he delivered uh, his um, report uh, on this radio station. Uh, there are no gray areas when it comes to working people. Well done, Pat. Nice job uh, done by you. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. On behalf of J-Doc, on behalf of the President, Pat Eiding, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. Portions of tonight's edition of Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor have been sponsored by Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, CWA, Communications Workers of America, and AFSCME Local 1739, DC 47. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.